We are talking about spiritual gifts. And last week we talked about that you're gifted. And we talked in God's scriptures that God gives us by his spirit uh, gifts that we can use for the building up of the body of Christ, for being a witness for Christ. And um, I put this in the bulletin last week because some of you took... um, the spiritual gifts uh, survey or inventory. And I said, if you would, if you would put the top three gifts from that and um, and fill in the, just fill in the information and then put it in the little um, Operation Christmas Child box. And I want to thank you for all who have done it, all six of you. You're not helping me here. Okay, and I know some of you say, well, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. Remember, you have them. One of the things you can do as a part of Christ's family, a part of Christ's body, is to discover what those gifts are so that you can use them for his glory and the building up of his body, uh, the church. So I just want to encourage you to do that. We are actually going to use these things. What we want to do is we want to put them in our church database, and when we need uh, certain types of people... Uh, we'll know who to contact, and we'll put you where your gifts uh, work best, okay? And that, that's, the, that's the goal of, of what we're doing here, is to find a place where we can plug you in and use the gifts that you have given, uh, been given. A number of years ago, uh, when I was working in a church, we used to have missionaries come on a regular basis and share their uh, story and what God was doing. And at the church I was at, often they would let the, the missionary preach the sermon and uh, handle the word of God. And one day, um, we had a guy from Africa come, and we uh, asked him to preach a sermon. And... Um, It wasn't that good. Um, you could see the uh, perspiration pouring off this guy. You could hear his voice shake. You could see how much he was holding on the pulpit to keep him upright. He was just having a difficult time at it. And afterwards, we um, spent some time with him. We went out for a meal together, and um, it came out in our conversation, and he goes, you know, I hate preaching. It's not my gift. I have to do it from time to time, but it's just not my gift. You see, on the mission field, my job is to fix the missionaries' trucks and cars, I would love to come to a church and fix the church bus for them or have people bring their cars and and I would work on them. That is using my gifts, my skills, my abilities. He goes, it's not for me to preach. It's not what I do. It's not where my gift is. And it just uh, has embedded in me the importance of finding the right place, putting the right people in the right chair. And that's what we want to do as a church as we move forward is putting the right people in the right chairs. And when we do that, uh, bigger, greater things happen because God's spirit can do what he is meant to do without us hindering him by putting people in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
So that's why we're doing what we're doing. And last week I said we talked about that you are gifted. Today I want to talk about the fact that you are needed. The body of Christ needs you. And I hope by the end of this morning's message, you will have a better understanding of how much you are needed. No matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, no matter if you're uh, strong and able, whether or sick and disabled, you have an important part in the body of Christ. You are needed. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I invite you to open up your copy of the scripture. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, starting at verse 12. The Apostle Paul writes, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand... I do not belong to the body, that would make it not any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell But as it is, God arranged all the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary... The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow with greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Which of our more presentable parts do not, uh, our more presentable parts do not require? But God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers. Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. 
the higher gifts. And I will still show you a still more excellent way. The body is made up, the scriptures tell us, of many parts. In fact, that's what makes a body. What distinguishes us from other things is that we have hands and legs and arms and feet and mouths and eyes and ears and some of us even have hair. The scriptures tell us that we were brought into the body of Christ when we were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we were baptized in the Holy Spirit when we surrendered our lives to Christ. I believe the scriptures make it clear that once we come to Christ, once we, uh, as we often say, ask Jesus into our heart, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. And the baptisms that we do here, the baptisms of individuals when they come to Christ is not the imparting of the Holy Spirit, but an outward sign that the Spirit already dwells within the person. What Paul is alluding to here is that we are one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And in other portions he says, male or female. We are all part of the body of Christ. We're to make, to drink of one living water, to drink of one spirit. We all drink out of that fountain, which is Christ. He goes on to say that um, not only are the bodies many, members of the body many, but we can't say to one another because I am a hand, I don't belong. It doesn't make you any less part of the body. If I'm not an ear, then I don't belong. I don't have a place in the body. If I can't preach the word of God, then I don't belong. If I can't... Uh, be the evangelist and seeing hundreds of people come to faith because of what I share, then I don't belong. I really don't have much to offer. I am too young. I am too old. I really don't have much to offer. But the scriptures say that wherever you are, whatever condition you find yourselves in, whatever place you are to play in the body of Christ makes you and keeps you as part of that body. Verse 17, he gives this um, almost horrific picture. He says, um, if the whole body were an eye, that sounds like a horror movie to me. You know, could you imagine if there's just this eye laying on the stage, you know, that had life within itself, and it would look at you. Wherever you go, it would follow you. But it would just lay there. Of course, in a good horror movie, it would roll towards you and do something terrible to you, but it would just lay there. We need the body of Christ to, we need to be able to plug all these parts. He says, you know, if we're just a hand, 
We're just laying there. We could probably go like this and crawl across the floor and grab somebody by the foot, you know, and say, wake up. Remember those of us who my age and older, was it the Adams family that had that hand that would crawl around or came out of the box or whatever it was and grab things? We're not to be like that. We need hands and feet and eyes and ears. And it's important to see that it's God, much like we talked about the spiritual gifts last week, and it's the Spirit who gives them. Here we see it's God who arranges the members, every one of, him, every one of them, as he chose. God puts the right people, wants the right people in the right place. He gives you the gifts. He chooses you to be hands or feet or eyes or ears. It is his work in you. And I believe that when we deny the fact that we are useful, that we are not really an active part of the body, we are essentially saying to God, you've got it wrong. You arranged incorrectly. I was really supposed to be something else. We say to God that you are mistaken. You are wrong. You really don't know what's going on. And all I have to say to that is that's probably not a good thing to say to God, that you have made a mistake. We need each other. You are important. Without each member of the body of Christ doing what it is supposed to do, we as the whole body are hindered. My uncle, my dad's brother, um, Uncle John, but we all knew him growing up as Uncle Porky. And he didn't look like anything like a pig, but we called him Uncle Porky. And I still don't know where that name came from, but we called him Uncle Porky. Uncle Porky um, had a machine. He had a, um, uh, what do you call it? He had a store where they sold hay. What do you call that here? A hay store? I don't know, but that's what he did. He sold feed. A feed store. That's what it is. I knew if I sat around long enough, I'd figure it out. He had a feed store, and he bought this huge piece of machinery that you threw hay in on one side, and it would go through all this rigmarole, and he would come out as pellets on the other side. Pretty amazing piece of machinery. I don't know how it worked, but I know that we put hay on one side, and we made... Uh, burlap bags filled with pellets on the other side for feed. Well, one day the uh, machine broke down. And so my uncle went up on the machine to see what was wrong. And he was working inside the machine. And the man that he was working for accidentally turned the machine back on. The belt that he was, my uncle was by grabbed a hold of his hand and threw my uncle over the top of the machine. My uncle landed on the ground and he looked down to his hand and it was just hanging by a 
little ligament. And the man who had started the machine was running around my uncle screaming. Just, ah! My uncle took his other hand and just nailed the guy. Just knocked him over and says, you really need to get me to the hospital. You know, I can't have you running around. Well, my uncle had his hand removed and they gave him a, a hook that could squeeze like this. And they gave him a prosthetic hand that he called his Sunday hand. He would wear it to church. Um, but the amazing thing is, the rest of his body was hindered, suffered, because he lost that hand. He couldn't do what he used to do because he lost just one hand. Not even two, just one hand. The arm was still there. But it hindered him. And the same thing is true in the body of Christ. If one of you who is a hand is not doing what you are supposed to do, it hinders the whole of the body of Christ. We all suffer for it. We are all um, to be part of one another. And he goes on to Paul says that there are parts that may look like they're not that important, but God raises them up. He does so so that not that one gets more honor than the other, but so that there would be no division in the body. Now, the book of Corinthians, the letter to the Corinthians, Paul wrote for uh, a specific reason. The Corinthian church has been around a little while, but as Paul hears about what's happening in Corinth, he finds out that they are getting it all wrong. They are not dealing with sin in their midst. They are not worshiping well. They're getting it all goofed up. They are not... Um, honoring the Lord and the church when they receive the Lord's Supper, when they celebrate that communion together. When it comes to spiritual gifts, they were saying that you are better than you. And if you really want to be a good Christian, these are the gifts that you should seek after. The thing is, the gifts that they sought after was um, what we would call the ecstatic gifts, the ones that seemed a little more spectacular, like speaking in tongues or healing somebody, doing miracles. Everybody wanted that gift because it was big. It was special. But God put the body together so that there would be no division. He put the body to be uh, unified. He put the body together so that there would be diversity in the midst of unity. You are not me, and that's a good thing. And I am not you, and that's a good thing. 
We are all different. There's great diversity here in Bethesda Church. And for all of you who are watching, there's great diversity. But God has called us to be one body. He's called us to be um, unified. But not so that we're all the same. One scholar that I was reading this past week said, when the body is all the same, when my body or your body is all the same, it happens usually at one time in your life, when you are dust. When you return to the earth, the whole body breaks down and there is nothing but dust left. And finally, you are one with yourself. There's nothing different about you. We do not want that to happen to the church. We want the church to be alive, thriving, vibrant in all that it does. The right parts doing the right thing. I believe it was the preacher, great preacher of the last century, um, Vance Havner, who said that Things start with a man, and they become a movement, and that movement often becomes a machine, and that machine will ultimately become a monument. That is not what we want for the church. We do follow a man. His name is Jesus. We have become part of a movement, which is the body of Christ. And in many places, we have become a machine. It's called organized religion. But we don't want to become a monument. Monuments mark dead people. They mark things that had happened, but there's no life today. We want to follow the man Jesus. We want to be part of his movement, the church, the redeemed, the kingdom of God. But we have to be very careful of when we become that machine. Because the next step was inevitable. We are to care for one another, Paul says. We are to watch out for one another. He, he says here, if one member suffers, then all the members suffer. Have you ever, um, late at night, got up to go and get that cookie from the cookie jar and that glass of milk and stubbed your toe on the edge of the dresser or the chair or the bed? Have you ever done that? Most of us have. And we know that when we have, the whole body is affected. We do everything to muffle the scream because we don't want to wake up the rest of the house. But we're jumping around and every part seems to be affected just by that little toe that was banged up. Such it is in the body of Christ that when one suffers, we all suffer. But when one rejoices... We all celebrate. 
We need to celebrate one another. We need to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. We are part of the same body of Christ. And Paul then goes in and he says, um, there are different kinds of Gifts. There's different kinds of works that are done. Apostles and prophets and teachers and miracles and gifts of healing. And he goes on and he lists all these things. But then he says, but not everybody's a prophet. Not everybody is an apostle. Not everybody is a teacher. Not everybody does healing or speak in tongues. In verse 31, he says something interesting. He says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. Now, it looks like he just turned everything around. I thought we weren't supposed, I thought we didn't have better gifts than others. Now, remember who Paul was talking to. Remember who he was addressing. He was addressing the Corinthian church who had it wrong, who were raising up the spectacular gifts, the speaking in tongues, the healing, the miracles. And Paul says all of those things are important. They're all part of being part of the body of Christ, but don't desire those. Don't desire those things that look and act uh, special. They're unique. Don't desire those, but actually desire those other gifts that allow you to communicate clearly the gospel. That through your healing and through your helping, through your teaching, you proclaim the gospel of Christ that we sang about today. That because of the love of God, uh, he sent his son Jesus who left all the glories of heaven to become like one of us. And yet the scriptures tell us without sin. And he proved himself to be the perfect sacrifice for our sin by dying on the cross. He took upon himself uh, the sins of the world. He was the atoning sacrifice. He died in our place. He was substituted for us. He died so that we could have life. But the the story doesn't end there as we know. He rose again from the dead so that we can place our hope and our trust in him. The scriptures say, because Christ lives, we too shall live. Because Christ is raised, we too shall raise. But how do we respond to that is by surrendering our lives to Jesus. By saying, Jesus, I need to be forgiven of my sins. I need you to come and take control of my life. I need to be filled by your spirit. The scriptures tell us that as we do that, Christ comes and dwells in us by his spirit and prepares us through all of this life for uh, the new kingdom to come. And part of all of that experience is being part of the body of Christ. And each one of you who call upon the name of Jesus have a part to play. You are 
needed. It's Valentine's Day. So it's fitting that at the end of this section, Paul says, I will show you something even more excellent. Apart from all the parts of the body of Christ, apart from the spiritual gifts that are given, apart that we are together without division, Paul says, in all you do, in how you live as the body of Christ, I'm going to tell you the way it should be done. Paul writes, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man... I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then, face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be fully known. I shall know fully, excuse me, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. 
or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.